Golden State Warriors basketball. Curry's going to wind it down. Eight seconds. Top of the key dribble. The jumper's on the way. It's good! Curry with 2.1 to go! This is Warriors Roundtable. Brought to you by Michael's Dead Porsche, a proud sponsor of the Golden State Warriors. Now the voice of the Warriors, Tim Roy. Jared Cunningham, the Bay Area native, comes in. Draymond Green goes baseline, throws it down. Hangs on the rim for a minute. New career high for Draymond. He's got 22. Double team far side. Rotation Harrison Barnes to the corner. There's Iguodala. He will fire. Three ball. Right corner pocket for Andre. And the Warriors have hit the century mark here in the third with 16.7 to go. 13 of 19 outside the arc. 102.75. They start to stand here at Oracle. Well, last night, the Golden State Warriors at one point led the Los Angeles Clippers by 29 points en route to, to the victory. A 121-104 win. The Warriors are now 4-0 on the season. 28 points, 7 assists, 6 rebounds for Steph Curry. 24 points and 8 boards for Draymond Green. That's a new career high for Draymond. And 14 rebounds for Andrew Bogut. 19 for Clay Thompson. Also off the bench last night, Leandro Bar- Barbosa had 13 points, and he'll join us in just a few minutes. Hi, everybody. I'm Tim Roy, and please have a seat around the Warriors Weekly Roundtable as we are back for our second show of this year. Coming up on the show, as I mentioned, Leandro Barbosa will tell us about coming to the States to fulfill his dream, and we'll also find out a very interesting story about his first night as an NBA player. Then we'll hear about the Warriors giving away a million dollars to Bay Area schools. Jose Gordon of the Warriors Community Foundation will stop by and tell us about the importance of that donation. I'll answer your questions on Warriors Vox, your chance to chime away on Twitter at Warriors VOX, and then we'll preview the weekend, a Western Conference back-to-back at Houston and at Phoenix. We'll hear from the voice of the Rockets, and that is Craig Ackerman, and we'll also check in with John Bloom, the pre- and post-game host of the Phoenix Suns. The Golden State Warriors 4-0 off to their best start in 20 years. Their best start since the 5-0 beginning in 1994-1995, and they go for that on Saturday night. Golden State playing very good basketball to open the season. Hi, Tim Roy. Again, welcome to the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. We appreciate the fact that you are here with us tonight. And a quick reminder that you can enter ScholarShare's Dream Big Contest to give your kids a chance at Warriors prizes, and you'll learn how to turn your dreams for them into a reality. Enter today at warriors.com slash dream. When we continue on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, the Brazilian blur, Leandro Barbosa, joins us on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Curry behind the back dribble, on the go, great pass Ooh. to David Lee for a right-hand layup, a no-look over the shoulder, pass by Steph Curry. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable, presented by Michael Stead Porsche. 34-22, Warriors, 10-24 to go. Other end, Barbosa drives all the way, leads in, kissed it in off the glass. Nine points in nine minutes for Barbosa. No look to Barbosa, three ball, got it! 2.1 to go in the corner. It's the Warriors Weekly Roundtable presented by Michael Stead Porsche. And don't forget, if you're hungry for more Warrior information, the Warriors app is all-you-can-eat buffet. Live stats, exclusive audio, and social media. The Warriors app is stuffed with goodies. Download it free 
for your iPhone or Android device. I'm Tim Roy, and we continue on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. We are joined by guard Leandro Barbosa, who's off to a great start uh, with the ball club. And Leandro, the team is 4-0. Uh, and oh. it's, it's always great uh, to get off to that kind of a start. Definitely, definitely. Unbelievable. You know, I think everybody uh surprised about uh, the starting that we, we had so far. I think Steve has been doing a great job, you know, for first time as a head coach. And we've been enjoying. So it's been fun year so far. Hopefully we keep it doing for the rest of the year. Now the club is playing well. But my sense from the, the radio play-by-play chair is that you guys haven't really scratched the surface, especially on the offensive end. I think, do you get that sense that 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 still the offense has some work to do that you guys can get better at this? Definitely, definitely. We know that we're not sharp yet with the offense, you know, and we know that we're going to get the, to the point that Steve wants us to be. But uh, I mean, so far in the point that we are right now, I think we're doing a great job. You know, is everything new for the whole team? Everybody's getting adjusted, you know, and uh, I think we're going to be okay and fine for the rest of the season, you know. Um, the other thing is when we get sharp, you know, with the offense, the way that Steve wants us to be, I think nobody will be able to stop us. So I think so far right now we're we getting there, we having fun, we have the chemistry. I think that's the main thing. You know, it's interesting, uh, your role coming off the bench, and you're off to a, a, a great start for the Warriors, averaging just shy of 10 points a game and in uh, only 16 minutes of contest. When when you're coming off the bench now, do you see your role as a guy that needs to try to, to get to the basket and try to give uh, the defense a totally different look than maybe what Curry and Thompson give them? Not only get to the basket, you know, I think it uh – change a little bit the game you know when we need and bring some energy you know my game is all about you know speed you know running up and down so um i think Imaro is that kind of thing you know that's what i think steve wants me to do he really know me really well back in the past so uh i will try to do my best i can to help the team T- tell me uh how it did come about that you're a golden state warrior what was the process like and and how did you find out that the warriors wanted your services it was through my agent you know and uh i was back in spain you know playing with the national team um i had a couple other options you know to go with but uh i know alvin i know steve and uh um i was very excited you know uh to come and play with the clay and uh staff so uh it was a great opportunity for me, and I definitely you know appreciate for the open door that the Golden State Warriors had to me. I'm very happy here, you know, and uh, looking forward to go deep on the playoff. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, that that this team, uh, Leandro, this is a very, very talented team, and I think uh, people are starting to to look around when a player like you and a player like uh, Sean Livingston, who both you guys have started in this league. Uh, can come off the bench that just shows you how deep this team is it is it is 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 it's not only deep but so many weapons you know in any time that Steve can choose any player to you know score the ball and uh we be there for him you know um in in effort too you know i think he everybody's bringing a lot of effort you know it's not only me and Sean um, you can tell that you know Andre Ugodala, he's in a situation that he's never been before, and he's been doing the effort. He was 
start start um for most of his career so he's doing that kind of thing for the whole team and and we pre- we're doing a pretty pretty good job so uh, i think it um it's something special that this team has and i think it, it's a, a definitely a good opportunity for we to get advantage of those special team that we have our guest is leandro barbosa and we're talking about the golden state warriors you know we were talking about clay and and uh, steph uh Give me your thoughts on last weekend for for Clay Thompson. That was in, in, incredible. What a great weekend Clay had. Yeah, I mean, I don't have many words to say. You know, it's everything is new for me. I never see a guy shoot like Clay. You know, and and Curry. Um, it's so quick release that he has, and so when he catches the ball, it's already gone, and 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 he's been making those shots. You know, so it's been fun year for me just to watch him those two guys you know and um i mean i've been a fan of them you know when i was in a different teams you know i've been watching them so it's been a great pleasure for me to be in this team and especially beside them tell tell me a little bit about your your upbringing obviously you know we 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 think of brazil we think of of uh football or, or soccer as we call it here in, in the states we think of some other things but to me, in the last uh, 10 or 15 years, uh, Brazil, Argentina, South America has put its stamp on, on, on basketball. When, when did basketball, in your mind, really start uh, grabbing a hold in Brazil? I think it when uh, we start doing a better job on the national team, you know, I think it, when uh, all the basketball players that are in the NBA in Europe decide, you know, to come and, and stay together for the national team, I think that wins... Uh, People start watching basketball in Brazil and they start getting bigger. So uh, I think that was a, a big change in, in my country. And we're very happy about that. Now we know that basketball is well-known in all the countries. And uh, I think we, everybody want, want us you know, to do a good job here in the NBA. People been watching us a lot. So I think it, it's a special time for Brazil. Now, now we have the Olympics in Brazil. So it's a big thing. So... It's great. When you look at uh, well, first of all, tell me who who was your basketball hero? Who was who's the guy you wanted to be when you were a kid? Michael Jordan. <laughs> like a lot of like a lot of other players. Yeah. Uh, but was there was there anybody in Brazil that you admired at the time? Well, uh, the guy that we know that's very famous, you know, and he did a very very good job. He's a Hall of Fame. He's uh, Oscar Schmidt. Oh yeah, of course. Um, um, he was a great shooter, you know. He did a lot for our country. Um, uh, that was the other guy that I used to watch. You know, I didn't get to watch him a lot. I play a couple times at the end of his career against him, but uh, um, he was already old. But he's still doing a great job, and and you know everybody know who he is. So um, I used to watch him when you came into Oracle. As a member of the Phoenix Suns, what what was your uh, thoughts about? Because it was, uh, t- to me, there were some unbelievable games between the Warriors and Suns from like 06, 07 through maybe 2009 where it was kind of like the the old NBA. It'd be like 130 to 129, 124 to 118. Those games were a lot of fun. It was, it was. I think it, uh, the time that we came here to play, uh, it was a lot of running, you know. Running up and down and and scoring buckets here, buckets there, 
it was fun time to come here because the fans is very very loud they always into the game and i think it it was you know exciting for the players you know even for the visitors so it was it was incredible come here and play when you first got to the to the the suns you were drafted by san antonio end up on the the phoenix suns what was it like for you coming to this country it was different you know i didn't know anything about it i didn't know the language um I couldn't speak English, nothing with nobody. So at the beginning, it was really tough, and 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 there's no like words for me to tell you because a couple of times it came in my mind that I wanted to go back to my country. I was here by myself, didn't have friends, my family wasn't here with me, so it was it was kind of tough. But I think uh, what happened is that the the whole team, you know, they did a great job on that. You know, they embraced me. They they hold me down there, you know, they help me out. Um, and it was it was good to me, you know, that's what I need. Um, and I didn't respect that from them. So uh, it was it was pretty tough because it was dream come through. And uh, it, it took me two years, you know, to realize that I was in the NBA playing with those kind of players, you know, that I used to be watching in Brazil. So it was a dream come true, you know. Now, it's, it's got to be hard. I can't even imagine going to a country where I wouldn't be familiar with the language and didn't know anybody. I mean, that had to be really tough. So I have to ask you this, and, and, and I apologize in advance because I'm pretty sure you've been asked about this a bunch of times. When you first got to the Phoenix Suns, is it true you spent the first night sleeping on the locker room floor? It is true. Times. I slept there. You slept on the floor? Yes, I did. I had to enjoy my dream, you know. It was <laughs> a dream come true, you know. I didn't know if that ever was going to happen, you know. I made a promise for my mama when I was a little kid. And, and I mean, I work, I work so hard, you know, to that become true. But I didn't know if it was going to happen, you know. I had a hope, and I worked for that, you know. But um, when it happened, I... I it was a pleasure for me to be in that stadium and sleep on the floor. Um, it was everything, you know. It was the floor was better than my bed, you know. To be honest, so it was, it was, it was incredible. TV, big TV, refrigerator <laughs> with a lot of Gatorades, something that I never had in my in my life, you know. Something that I never see. And to me, coming to a country that I don't know about it, you know, to a team that I'm going to play basketball and see all those kind of new things for me in my life, I wanted to enjoy and stay there. Wow, that's a, that's a, that's a great story, and it kind of puts it all in, in perspective, Leandro. T- tell me, were, were you able to get your mom something when you started getting getting paid by the Suns? Did you, did you get something for your mom? As soon as I get my first paycheck, I bought a house for her. Oh, nice. And then my second paycheck, I bought a house for my sister and another sister and my other brother, and then I was done. Wow, you're you're a real estate guy. <laughs> I mean, I had to take care of my family. We were really we became from a really poor, poor uh, um, uh, neighborhood. So uh, I had to take my family out of the the neighborhood that we were living, and and uh, that happened. And I'm so happy that, that I couldn't make that to my family you know bring that to my family for them to be happy so everything is good now peaceful so it, it make it make it easy for my life and make it easy for me to work that that's great because you know I, I imagine that gave you like you know that had to be so satisfying for you to be able to help your family when you got to your dream but to be able to share it with them exactly 
Tell me about Dan Tantoni, Dan D'Antoni. How did he help you when you were with the Suns? Oh, he was like a father for me. You know, he, he mean it, it, not only on the court. You know, outside the court too. We used to go to restaurants. You know, eat together, talk about life, talk about his family, my family, and inside the court, he was a tremendous coach for me. And he still be. You know, we still in touch. Um, every time I talk to him on the phone, he still give me no uh, notice for me do better on the court so uh he he means a lot to me he made me a better player he made him a better person and he was that guy that you know helped me out to get the six men in the year so uh he's very special for me i really have a lot of respect for him and uh i love him leandro barbosa who was nba six man of the year is a member of the phoenix suns joining us here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtables, oh, I have to ask, and, and as you know, Steve Nash played his college basketball here in the Bay Area, played for Santa Clara, so we kind of share him. We uh, kind of like to think of him as as one of our own in that way. But uh, it was a sad day to hear that that he was not going to be able to play this year because of back pain. Uh, do you think this is it for him? Well, uh, I was with him the whole summer, you know, in Brazil on the World Cup, you know, and... Uh we were hanging out like every day, you know, playing soccer every single time. And he was he was doing great, you know. I was so happy to see the way that he was moving and doing uh, the sports that we were doing in Brazil that I didn't thought it was going to be excuse for him, you know, to come back and play. But, I mean, I think it, it, it comes a time in your life that you just got to realize that you have to stop. And, and a couple of days ago I talked to him and I... Uh, and I was happy that he was fine about it, and 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 he actually, you know, um, um, find out that you know it's time for him to, you know, uh, take it easy, you know, and 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 it's just sad because I think he he could do, you know, he really take care of himself, he eat health, he does sports on the side, he really take care of his body. So, uh, um, but you know, I I don't know if he's done or if he's gonna still try. But uh, he's a he's a he's a great guy, you know. He, I think everybody knows that he's a great guy who take care of his body, and 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 I'm sure he wants to come back. Definitely, he loved the game. I don't think he wanted to leave that way, but uh, I don't know. Who knows? Even if I know, I wouldn't be able to talk to you and tell you what's up. But uh, <laughs> um, I just it's just better to keep it that way. I appreciate your honesty. Before I let you go, then then, then make the comparison: the Steve Nash and the Steph Curry. How would you compare the two? I compare. I say it's it's Steve Nash youngest. You know, <laughs> Steve Nash youngest. I mean, I say Stephen Curry. He 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 shoot a lot more than Steve, and 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 it's it's totally two different players. You know, but two different players that can become. A same player, you know, Nash, you know, he, you never know when you get the ball. He always going to look for you. Stephen Curry the same way, but at the, at the same time, you never know when he's going to shoot because he has so quick release. So it's, 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 it's hard to me to tell you, Steve Nash or, or, or Stephen Curry. What I can tell you is that Steve is my best friend. I love that guy, you know, and I enjoy playing with him, you know. It was honor to play with him when we were together, and and now it's my turn to be with Steph. There you go, and we look forward to uh, 
watching you play. You're off to a great start. You're doing a great job coming off the bench for the Warriors, who are 4-0, and, and a big weekend this weekend at Houston, at Phoenix. We look forward to seeing you there. And, Leandro, thank you so much for the time and for letting us get to know you a little bit better. My pleasure. That's Warriors guard Leandro Barbosa off to a very good start for the ball club and head coach is Steve Kerr as he's currently averaging just shy of 10 points a game, averaging 16.3 minutes of contest, 9.8 points per game, 1.5 assists for Leandro. Now coming up on the weekly roundtable, last night the Golden State Warriors donated $1 million to Bay Area schools. And the head of the Warriors Community Foundation, Jose Gordon, stops by to tell us about the import of that donation as we continue on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Thompson waiting, waiting, waiting. Throws to Iguodala. Takes a corner jumper for the win. Got it! At the horn! Ball game over! Golden State Warriors basketball. Curry gets space, finds Iguodala. He'll turn, fire at the horn. Got it! Andre! Andre nailed the three at the buzzer. He did it again! We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable presented by Turner Eye Institute and Dr. Craig Patel, the LASIK and laser-assisted cataract surgery specialist. Hi, Tim Moore. The Warriors Weekly Roundtable continues. Don't forget Warriors and the Houston Rockets, 430 on KBR 680 on Saturday afternoon. It could be a battle of unbeatens when those two teams meet. Yeah, when the Warriors were uh, bought by uh, Joe Lacob and Peter Goober, they looked to upgrade in every single facet of the organization. And one area they paid close attention to was the Warriors Community Foundation. And we welcome the executive director of the Warriors Community Foundation, Jose Gordon, to our microphones this week. Because as we like to chronicle here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, Every week, the Warriors try to make the Bay Area a better place to live, and they did that very well this week with $1 million in grants for local education. This week, the Warriors Community Foundation announced $1 million in grants to improve education for underserved youth in Alameda and San Francisco counties. Our flagship grantees, Oakland and San Francisco Unified School Districts, lead at 32 local organizations that were awarded support. At center court, our Warriors Community Foundation Board Chair Nicole Curran and Executive Director Jose Gordon to present the check. Accepting the check are Brian Stanley, Executive Director of Oakland Public Education Fund, and Chris Chapman, Executive Director of the African American Male Achievement Program. Joining them on behalf of San Francisco Unified are Board of Education Commissioner Hydra Mendoza and Excel After School Program Executive Director Malay Lau-Smith. Please join us in recognizing Oakland and San Francisco Unified School Districts and congratulating all 32 of our community grantees. Jose, first of all, thank you for the time and welcome to the show. Second of all, uh, tell us a little bit about this grant. I think it's so cool because it goes back to an area that not only the United States needs to get, needs to get better at, but certainly California does, and that is education. Well, Tim, thank, thank you. It's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to be on the show. You know, it's, it's, um, you know, it's important to, to us as an organization you know, really to translate our success on the court into uh, success off the court. You know, and the work we do in the foundation and the outreach we do year-round is, is, is an important part of that. You know, and we're incredibly fortunate to have an ownership group, uh, players, fans, and partners who, who share that vision. 
And and what we did last uh, last night was really an opportunity to highlight organizations that are working here locally in the area of education to improve outcomes. Uh, and so I made some uh, flagship grants to Oakland Unified, uh, San Francisco Unified, and th- 30 other organizations in Alameda County and San Francisco County. How how will these grants be used? You know, it's 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 really at the discretion of the organization. You know, by by design, we we we're um, intending to make unrestricted gifts. So we identify organizations that are blessed in class that are doing really important work locally and then we provide them with the resources to continue that work uh, to expand it uh, and, and to do better a lot of the warriors work goes to underserved youth talk a little bit about that and why is it so important uh, for the community foundation to look in that area you know i think it's um you know it's it's a, a privilege we have as a sports team uh, and and the exposure we have the the uh, attention that we have uh, to this team and to use that to, to do well, you know, and, and what better place to start than, than, than with kids, you know, and, and to really focus, you know, here in, in the Bay Area, uh, you know, we, we take our responsibility seriously as, as the base team, and part of that is to help make the Bay Area the best place in, in the country for children to, uh, to live and to grow up. You know, it's funny, too, because I think it, the sports franchise can have such a big impact on kids, not only for what they do on the floor, you know, and, and, and all of our young fans that root for, you know, Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and and uh, the rest of the of the squad, but also, as you point out, in, in a lot of the events that we work with, you know, those kids are right there, and they get an idea that the Warriors aren't just there for the basketball. They're there for the long haul. I mean, you, you, you're absolutely right. I think I found I found sports at, at a very young age, and I think it was an important part of my own development. You know, learning uh, notions of uh, discipline and focus, and I think our players help help to illustrate that. That whether you make it to the NBA or you make it to an, another line of work, that that notion of dedication to your craft uh, will will take you very far. The executive director of the Warriors Community Foundation, Jose Gordon, is our guest here on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Every week we highlight a different event that the Warriors are doing in the Bay Area. So let's talk a little bit about the Community Foundation. When, when you apply that term, when you say that, uh, what is the Warriors Community Foundation? What, what kinds of services does it provide uh, to the Bay Area? So we have three programs. We, uh, we make grants, uh, specifically in the area of education. Uh, we build basketball courts, and we've uh, refurbished more than 50 courts around the Bay Area. And we uh, d- donate tickets to Warriors games, you know, helping to share the the love and excitement of a Warriors home game uh, with with groups that otherwise may not be able to uh, to have the experience. And so last season, uh, we donated more than 6,000 tickets, and we expect to grow that number this year. Last week, we highlighted the opening of the Mitch Richmond basketball court in Richmond. Uh, this summer, I was on hand for the unveiling of the Shrewdness Marshallonis court. i got to tell you. Those courts are pretty sweet. You know, the good, the good Tyings Foundation, the people who work on those courts, uh, they come out, they come out very, very well. You know, that's that, that that's one of our really our favorite events is to unveil those courts. You know, it's an opportunity not only to share a, 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 a beautiful space, but to to bring kids and families together and to celebrate basketball and physical activity and health and wellness. Yeah, it's 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 funny too. I think it's important because if uh, the kids know it's a nice, safe place to go to, and the parents know it's a nice, safe place for them to go to, then the kids get out and they get active and they start, you know, enjoying a positive experience at that court as opposed to maybe another one. That's absolutely right, and I think the court we unveiled uh, last week in Richmond is, is really uh, a great illustration of that. You know, I've been getting emails and texts from folks locally uh, saying how you know. That court was a place that kids would avoid before, 
and now they're they're seeing kids and grown-ups and families playing hoops uh, you know around the clock Jose you've worked in other uh, charities uh, throughout the Bay Area what's it like when you work with the foundation and the Warriors owners uh, Joe Lacob and Peter Goober you know, our, our, um, our, the, the president of our team likes to say that you, you need three things to, uh, to build an a, a excellent sports franchise, and that's ownership, ownership, and ownership. You know, and, and in Joe and Peter, I, I think we really have the best, and they've put together a great team uh, and have very high expectations of our work, and, and I think we've responded. And this is really the, just the beginning of, 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 of you know, very exciting uh, work for the entire organization. One million dollars in grants for local education. I thought that was outstanding last night, Jose. Job well done. Uh, what's next up on your plate? More of the same, Tim. Jose, it's been a, a pleasure to talk with you. It's always great to work with you, as you know, and continued uh, good work for the Warriors Community Foundation. Thank you, sir. My pleasure. Golden State Warriors basketball. Knocked away by Bogan. He says, not tonight, not on my watch. Bogut just said, no, 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 no. Just gobbled it up. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable presented by Michael Stan Porsche. Hi, Tim Roy. Time now to answer your questions on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Always fun at Warriors Vox, Warriors V-O-X, or you can send me an email at troy, T-R-O-Y-E, at warriors.com. Again, Warriors Vox on Twitter, and that's where we go to start your questions tonight. Warriors and Rockets coming your way on Saturday, 4.30, the airtime on KBR 680. Now, Benjamin wants to know, can we get more details of what the players think of Coach Kerr and his style? Well, sure, Ben, we can. Why don't we go to Steph Curry and find out how he feels about the offense the Warriors are running right now and the style of head coach Steve Kerr. If you're trying to really achieve championship success, every single day has to be perfect. Every single day has to be high intensity. Every single day has to have that kind of mentality. Um, and that's what he's seen playing with Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, the greats in Chicago, playing for Coach Popovich, Phil Jackson. Well, Benjamin, I hope that answers your question on the Twitter. We're going to move on to Nick, who wants to know, are the Dubs trash-talking too much, in your opinion? Now, Nick sent me this uh, tweet last night, so I'm sure he's talking a little bit about the, the game between the Warriors and the Clippers. And I would say, no, they're not trash-talking too much. I think last night is probably uh, the the exception as opposed to the norm, because last night is a rival that talks, and the Warriors have talked to them in the past. They have a history going on there between Warriors and Clippers. There's going to be more talking in a Warriors-Clippers game than there will be in a Warriors-Suns game or a Warriors-Knicks game, simply because there's history there, and there is contentious history there. So I don't think last night's a really good example of how the Warriors go about their business. And I think uh, I wouldn't read too much into it. Frankly, I kind of like the fact that the Warriors and Clippers don't like each other. I think uh, in sports there can be a healthy dislike. I think you can respect a team and dislike them at the same time. And I think it adds for more drama, uh, more of a storyline. So I think I think it's it's kind of cool that way. Now, M. Terry wants to know, any chance that David Lee would be okay with coming off the bench this year? Uh, Draymond seems a better fit with the first team. Well, Draymond's coming off his career high last night of 24 points. He had eight rebounds, five assists. He's playing very good basketball and really starting to fit in with the system. Now, David Lee, a sideline with a hamstring problem, and the Warriors 
really have missed his rebounding. Uh, the Warriors have not done a great job on the glass so far. Uh, even in last night's game, they did a, a better job. But I think that was more the Clippers not really in, in focus and playing well as opposed to the Warriors really doing a great job on the glass. But I will say this, it's an intriguing possibility. If David Lee would be okay with that, can you imagine? You're bringing off uh, Andre Iguodala, who's an all-league defensive player and a two-time All-Star off your bench. That would be incredible if that were to happen. Now, head coach Steve Kerr addressed that topic last night about Draymond Green starting in his post-game press conference. Well, you know, I don't really have a policy on these things in terms of, you know, if a guy gets hurt, does he come back and start? I don't, I don't know. I just... We're four and zero, and Draymond starting. He's playing well, so I'll I'll keep starting him. David, unfortunately, uh, tweaked his hamstring again, uh, and I loved what I saw out of David. You know, he comes in uh, and immediately, makes an impact, and you know, I, I think when when he's fully healthy, he and Draymond form the perfect combination, regardless of who starts and and who comes off the bench, because they're just very different players, but. Um, what David gives us is that low post scoring and and passing, and then you know Draymond just gives us you know, all that heart and passion and energy, and sometimes he's you know making threes like he was tonight, and but he's uh, he's a a great force for us out there. So I, I like the combination. So whether or not Draymond Green remains in the starting lineup, I think that uh, certainly will be decided a little bit later on down the line. Uh, David Lee, the most important thing for David Lee right now is to get that hamstring healthy. And it might require him sitting out a week or so to get that totally healthy so he can go full bore. And then you see what happens. You know, I think one of the great things about this year's Warriors team is that the roster is designed to survive injuries and the David Lee being out right now you can start Draymond Green you can bring most spates off the bench if you want uh, so Steve Kerr has options he has a lot of options that that uh, you know I think the Warriors have not had in the past so that's a very very good thing you know the Warriors are proud to support Operation Care and Comforts Care Package Drive it's presented by PlayStation bring food batteries toiletries, and letters of encouragement on Veterans Day Tuesday, November 11th, as the Warriors host the San Antonio Spurs. Find out more at warriors.com slash troops. Hi, Tim Roy. Thanks for participating on Warriors Vox on Twitter. That's Warriors V-O-X. You can also send me an email at T-Roy, T-R-O-Y-E, at warriors.com. We try to get to as many as we can. We continue with the Warriors Weekly Roundtable, a back-to-back on the weekend at Houston, at Phoenix. And we'll talk to two announcers from that city that cover those teams when we continue on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Thompson slips to the paint, on the go floater, got it! Clay Thompson gives the Warriors the lead, 8.7 to go! We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable presented by Michael Stead Porsche. Come out to Oracle Arena on Veterans Day, Tuesday, November 11th, where the Warriors take on the San Antonio Spurs, the defending champions. It's the Warriors Hoops for Troops Night, presented by GovX. Show your support for veterans and the Warriors as they take on the Spurs, and you can get your official tickets at warriors.com. 
All right, Timoy, a tough back-to-back this weekend. Warriors in Houston to take on the Rockets and then in Phoenix to take on the Suns. Saturday and Sunday, 4.30 is the airtime on both afternoons on KMBR 680. Now, the Rockets going into play tonight against the Spurs undefeated. The voice of the Rockets is Craig Ackerman. Well, we know the Western Conference is tough, and I thought Doc Rivers of the Clippers last week had a great comment. He said, you know what, every game you know in the West is an important game because you know if you lose a game in the West, you're going down in the standings. And the Warriors have a very tough uh, two-game set on the road coming up this weekend at Houston and at Phoenix in a back-to-back. We'll start with the Rockets. The voice of the Rockets is Craig Ackerman. And the Rockets, like the Warriors, uh, off to a really good start. And they're beating teams uh, by a significant margin, Craig. So so give me the, give me the rundown. Why are the Rockets uh, clicking so well early on? Well, I mean, uh, simply put, I guess the, the name of the game, the, the primary story here, and there are a lot of them, but the Rockets improved defense. I mean, adding Trevor Reza to this team, as we expected, was going to improve the defense, but now this team has high-level elite defenders at every level. Pat at the point, Ariza on the wing, Dwight in the middle. So that's number one. Um, the defense has been fantastic. The ball movement has been spectacular, very unselfish play. Uh, back to Trevor Reza again, he leads the NBA in made three, so he's been tremendous on both ends of the floor. And, and James Harden is playing like an MVP candidate. He really is. I mean, he's scoring the ball, getting to the line. He's passing it incredibly well. The Heat the other night did everything in their power to take the ball out of his hands, yet he still managed to find himself one rebound away from a triple-double. Um, and they're getting contributions as well from guys like Kostas Papanikolaou and Jason Terry in his 18 or 20 minutes tonight. He's knocking down threes. Um, and so, I mean, and, and they've had some guys banged up too. I mean, Terrence Jones is going to miss the second game tonight against San Antonio, but guys have stepped in and, and, and they're playing well. So, um, you know, again, five games in, I know there's been discussion in terms of whom the Rockets have played, but it's more or less how they're playing and what they're doing and how big they're winning by. That's been most impressive. Yeah, I always think, figure the schedule. If you're good and you beat teams you're supposed to be, you're taking care of business. And that you know, I don't care if you're, if you know, every every game in the association is a tough one. I want to talk about Trevor Ariza because uh, I think he has been one of the below the radar players in the NBA for about the last four or five years. I think he's a really good player, and I think he's good and he's smart enough to where. He doesn't try to do a lot of stuff that he can't do. You know, he knows what he can do, and he just goes out and does it. He's absolutely matured as a player. I mean, he he won that championship with the Lakers and then signed originally here with Houston right after. And quite honestly, because of the circumstances here and so on and so forth, the Rockets were asking him to do things that, he, you know, simply he cannot do. Um, And so his first and only season here before this year with the Rockets didn't go particularly well. They ended up trading him. Uh, to to New Orleans, uh, but he has grown, as you mentioned, into his own professional skin. He's comfortable with who he is as a player. Uh, he's one of the best catch and shoot guys in the league. Um, he's one of the elite corner three point shooters in the league. He knows this. He understands this. He's always been a plus defender. Plays the passing lanes extremely well. He's long. He's athletic. He applies pressure on the ball one on one extremely well as well. And he's just—he's grown as a person. He's grown as a player, and he's fitting in here because that's his role. His role is more defined, and he's comfortable in it. And I think the same can be said for a lot of players in this league. Um, I was a little skeptical again because he's had the reputation of putting up huge numbers in contract years, and again, based on what he did his first go around. But since he stepped on the floor in the preseason, 
he's been playing like this. So uh, uh, the Rockets would not be in this position if not for the way he's, he's, he's currently going. He's not going to continue to shoot 60% from three this season, uh, but uh, he is he is he is absolutely fit in perfectly with this roster. You know, it's interesting to uh, to look at the the, the Rockets and and they're really uh, you know everybody talks about you know the point guards in this league and Patrick Beverly is a great on the ball you know hawking defender. Uh, but the but the offense and you can almost see with the assist numbers, Craig. The offense kind of goes through James Harden. Yes, he is the team's. Really, only he's the primary and, quite honestly, the only playmaker that they have, and that's the biggest issue currently and going forward with this team is that when he sits, where are they getting playmaking from? And that's a little bit of the difference between Ariza and Chandler Parsons. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that losing Chandler wasn't a blow because Chandler's a heck of a player. But he and Ariza, while they're comparable players in terms of what this team needs, they're a little bit different. And what Ariza brings that Chandler didn't defensively, Chandler brings what Ariza can't do offensively, which is playmaking. And so when Jane sits, there still are some issues with where they are going to create. I mean, they can still throw the ball into Dwight. They have enough guys to shoot it, but where they are going to create plays from. But James is the team's primary ball handler, is its primary playmaker, and he should be because he's terrific. He's unselfish. He can score the ball. He sees teammates terrifically well, passes out of double teams. Um, and and let's, let's just call it, Call a spade a spade. He's he's improved defensively as well. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, if if uh, if Harden gets better defensively, and you've got Dwight Howard, and you add Ariza, you're going to be better defensively. And and Same to thing me, with you guys. Yeah, I mean, and and and, it, and and Steph Curry's a great example. Steph's off to a great start defensively. He's never been known as a great defender. But he's giving out a, a real good effort. He's getting a lot smarter in terms of playing angles and 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 figuring out what he wants to do. Uh, with his thing defensively. So it, it can be done, and I think, that, to me, that's going to be the difference between the top teams in the West. I think they all can score. I, I think the teams that get the better defensive effort out of their squads are going to be the ones who are going to be playing for the Western Conference Final. You can't seriously compete for a championship unless you're a top-ten team in terms of both offensive and defensive rating. You, you just can't. I mean, you can... You can get away with a little bit, maybe being just on the outside of that top ten offensively, but you can't defensively. And 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 the Rockets were nine and ten last year in that before late in the season when Dwight and Pat had some injuries, so they weren't exactly the dumpster fire defensively that everybody claimed that they were a season ago. But they knew they needed to improve, and that was their primary focus during training camp. And again, now they have another high level defensive player on all three levels, and it, and it's made a huge defense. And the thing with James Harden defensively, it's not. He's never going to be a lockdown defender like Tony Allen. His, his problem was his focus, especially when his man didn't have the ball. He just sort of lost track of where he was, and guys would get easy backdoor cuts and all those embarrassing YouTube videos would, would, would surface. But his focus has been there. Uh, it started this summer with Team USA. I don't think people like Jerry Colangelo and Mike Krzyzewski, who are really well-respected in the basketball world, were blowing smoke up people's rear ends, saying that James had become the leader of that group. And, his defense was much improved, and his focus was much improved, and that carried over to this year. And Rockets are only going to go as far as he and Dwight carry them, so it's great to see James Harden uh, paying attention to detail at both ends of the court. Craig Ackerman, the voice of the Rockets, uh, joining us here on the Weekly Roundtable. A couple of questions for you, and everybody has a comment once in a while that they want to take back, but I thought there was a little, the, the, the Harden comment about he and Dwight and then role players after that was kind of overblown because the fact is, you know, 
Dwight Howard and James Harden, they are the stars of that team. And, and they are the guys that, that you know, have to play well for that team to, to be a championship contender. And there's, I, I never saw anything wrong with uh, being called a role player on a very good team. Well, you know, I, I think the, the statement I agree with you is factually correct. I mean, just look, just look back at the last um, 25, 30, 35 years in the NBA history. Who are the teams that have won championships? You've got to have probably, and there's some exceptions, but for the most part you have to have basically at least two of the ten best players in the league in that particular season. The Lakers, right. the Celtics. Um, the Rockets in the mid-90s, obviously the Lakers and the Bulls and the Spurs. Spurs are a little bit of an exception um, uh, with Duncan obviously always being in the top ten, but they've had three future Hall of Famers on their roster. You need elite of elite players to compete for championships. Now I wish James probably probably wishes he could have been a little more tactful (laughs) uh, (laughs) with, with what he said, but it's factually correct. You cannot win an NBA title. I guess the what the was it the 04 Pistons is probably one correct example of that yeah and the heat obviously recently and and maybe the dallas team that won the title uh in in 2011 but they had like they had like three or four future hall of fame players exactly and they had dirk Nowitzki, who was definitely a top 10 player at that point and so you you, i mean you can slice it any way you want it and that's why i don't understand why the rockets while their offseason was a disappointment in terms of what they wanted to achieve and ultimately did not why all these people around the league were discounting this team as much as they were when you have Dwight and James. I mean, if these guys were, I mean, you don't, you can't just throw away top 10 guys like that. You can't, that's the way you win in the league. And, you know, the other part about it too, and I think the Warriors are in the same boat because they were in, in the Dwight Howard Derby, so to speak, the mm-hmm. year before. And, and you know, they went out and tried to sign DeAndre Jordan to an offer sheet. And they, they were, you know, talking, there were rumors about Kevin Love this year and whatever rumor you want to point at. But to me, I always thought that's a great sign because then you know your management's trying to get to the to the championship run. And if it doesn't work out, it's not because they didn't try. Believe me, I've announced for teams that were for years never in any of those conversations. So I, I always thought like when, when there were rumors about the Rockets trying to court Chris Bosh, well, that's a, if I'm a Rocket fan, that's a great thing. That means they're really trying to, to assemble a championship team. Uh, yes. I mean, you're going to swing and miss if you swing for the fences. But, sure. uh, you know, as a fan, I think you want to be in one of two places. You want to be competing for a championship or you want to have hope to compete for one in the future and, you, and build for that. And so if you have management that is aggressive, and obviously I think Daryl Morey is about as aggressive uh, as they come. And even when the team didn't have James Harden, they were still aggressive. Even when Carmelo Anthony said he, you know, allegedly wanted nothing to do with the Rockets, they still tried to acquire him in hopes to convince him to stay if they happen to get him. So they, they continue to be aggressive, and, and I think as a fan, um, you know, outside of actually winning uh, the whole thing, um, it's really, I think, ultimately all you can ask for uh, from your ownership group and, and your team's management. Craig, it's always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, look forward to seeing you on Saturday. It should be a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. These two teams have had some great battles over the last couple of years. I think some of the, the zest maybe is removed with, Mark Jackson no longer on the sidelines and all the stuff that, uh, in terms of when the Rockets are going for the three-point record and everything that came out of that particular game a couple of years ago. But the Warriors are a legit uh, championship contender. They're undefeated as of right now as we speak. So two are the Rockets. It's going to be the 
game of the year in the NBA on Saturday night, at least to this point. Our thanks to Craig Ackerman, the voice of the Houston Rockets. And now we'll concentrate on the Phoenix Suns. And joining us right now, the pre- and post-game host for the Suns, that is John Bloom. And, uh, John, a a rather interesting offseason for the Suns. They were one of the surprise teams in the league last year. I thought they and Portland were the two ones that really uh, shocked the NBA a little bit. Uh, They got caught up in a a real tough end-of-the-year schedule and uh, did not get in the playoffs with a great record. The Warriors know all about that, going back to 2008. A talented roster, but it's a different roster this year. Tell us a little bit about the offseason for the Suns and how is that going to affect them this year. Well, I think, Tim, you know, it it was a a great season by all accounts for everyone involved with the Suns. Uh, You know, the fan base uh, was thrilled despite the fact that they were left out of the playoffs by that game. And, and yes, the Warriors know exactly how that feels uh, from a fan base standpoint and from an organization standpoint. So what do you do next? Well, you try to get better in the offseason. And, uh, you know, they had some things that they had to figure out. Namely, uh, were they going to sign Eric Bledsoe to a long-term deal? Uh, They had stayed consistent throughout, uh, you know, the season last year heading into the offseason, saying that they wanted to have him back and they wanted to make him a big uh, part of this team moving forward. And, uh, you know, there was some silence, and that made some people uneasy because we didn't really know how this thing was going to resolve until pretty close to the deadline uh, when they did sign the long-term extension so that you knew you had Eric Bledsoe back. But in the meantime, They've gone out and signed Isaiah Thomas, who Warriors fans certainly are familiar with as well, as he's been uh, killing many teams in in the division, uh, if not the entire NBA, over the last couple of seasons while playing for the Kings. And you wondered, how is this going to fit, you know, with three point guards all playing at a high level uh, at this point in their career, all reaching, you know, on their way to their peak, most likely, uh, if not there, maybe in Goran Dragic's case. And uh, and you, you you had to think how how is it going to fit? Well, we kind of felt the same way last season, wondering how Bledsoe and Dragic were going to play together, and it worked out great. They won two thirds of their games when they were healthy and playing together. So uh, you know now you just had to kind of trust in Jeff Hornacek and his staff that they would figure it out as well through five games. I think they'd still tell you that they're trying to figure it out, and uh, they're hopeful that it can come together and that this team can have uh, you know some of the chemistry that did them so well a year ago. No residual effect with the Bledsoe and, and what happened in the offseason? No, uh, I don't think so at all. Uh, in the locker room, uh, for sure. And, uh, you know, from a fan standpoint, maybe fans would have liked him to be a little bit more vocal, but that's just not who he is. He, he's just not that guy. And uh, and so, you know, I think the fans just have to get used to that. And, and if he can play the way he's shown glimpses of uh, through the first five games, then they will get used to it uh, sooner uh, rather than later. And, and as far as, uh, you know, the, the other effects, I mean, I think maybe the biggest thing I've seen in the early part of the season is uh, I, I think Channing Fry is a significant loss both on and off the court. Uh, I think off the court he was this, uh, you know, real loud and, and uh, magnanimous personality uh, that guys, you know, would rally around and, and he would handle a lot of things that, that really – uh, is left on maybe P.J. Tucker's shoulders, maybe Gerald Green a little bit, but uh, he was a big leader in that room. So I think that that's going to take some time to replace. Uh, and I think the way he stretched the floor for this offense, uh, just how comfortable he was in that role, is different than the guys that are going to be doing it now, mainly Marquise and Marcus Morris and Anthony Tolliver a little bit as well. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, Fry was definitely the stretch uh, stretch four that they like to have on, on the floor. A little bit of a different look now. Uh, the, to me, what 
what also I think comes into play, and it happens with every team that has a really good year, is that teams now come in and they kind of give you more of their A game. It's human nature. You know, sometimes they look at a team and, oh, they're not going to be very good, and teams show up and they don't play the way, you know, they don't have that attention to detail, that focus they do when they're playing a great team. Are the Suns seeing some of that in the early season? Are teams giving them more of an A game than maybe they did at the beginning of last year? Well, I guess it's hard to tell at this point. Utah definitely did, but Utah is one of those teams that I think, you know, with their youth and and right now with the new coach and everything, they're going to have those games where they just play lights out and they're going to have some stinkers. And and I think a lot you can say that about a lot of teams in the league that that are in the similar situations with youth and and new styles. But uh, the other games, you know, the the loss uh, to the Memphis Grizzlies was a game where, you know, this is a team that's just dominated them. Uh, it swept them last season, and it's just a bad matchup. Uh, and, and I think the Grizzlies are a bad matchup for uh, probably the majority of teams in the league as well. Then, uh, you know, the, the other games that they played, uh, they, they didn't play great against the Lakers and were still able to win, and they did play very well against the Spurs and were able to beat them. Uh, so I think uh, it's, it's hard to tell at this point if they're going to get a better shot from teams on average. I would guess yes. Uh, but, you know, I think that you can sneak up on teams for a little while, but once you get 20, 30 games into a season, last year people started to realize that these guys could play, you know, maybe before the halfway mark of the season. So at that point they still weren't sneaking up on people and they were still getting the job done and winning at a, at a pretty high rate. So uh, I think they still have the potential to do that. What it's going to boil down to is these guys accepting the roles that they are in now because they are a little different, uh, especially when it comes to a guy like Gerald Green, who uh, played such a huge role offensively for this team last season and still will in spots, but probably not as consistently just due to the depth at that position now with those three point guards getting a lot of time. Yeah, it's funny, you know, you mentioned Memphis, that in today's NBA, the team that grinds it and throws the ball to the post a lot is the tough matchup for everybody, you know, because <laughs> they, yeah. they have two guys that they can throw the ball to and get something out of. They can get something out of Zach Randolph, they can get something out of Marcus Sowell. Most teams have maybe at the most one, but they have two, and, and they're just relentless with the way they grind you. I wanted to ask about a couple of the, the big men. I, I thought last year uh, a real... Uh, real fine for them was Miles Plumley. You know, he just seemed to 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 get it a little bit quicker than most other big men. Yeah, he did, and and it started off so fast, Tim, that uh, you know we were all talking about how this is the surprise find for Ryan McDonough. You know, here as the general manager in, in his first season was look who he found in this trade uh, when they sent Louis Scola to Indianapolis and and uh, also got Gerald Green as well, plus his first round pick. You know, so so here we go with this trade just looking amazing with Miles being maybe even the star. Then Gerald kind of tilted the seesaw in his direction, and it stayed there. And and Miles Plumley did get a little bit of a boost uh, in confidence uh, during the off season. He, he did work out with the the United States team for FIBA. Didn't make the the roster, but got to work out. His brother, you know, Mason was there as well. And and uh, you thought maybe that would translate. So far, it hasn't. The reason's pretty clear. He's just gotten in foul trouble. And I think if he can figure out a way to, uh, you know, 
be more of a, a rim protector without getting into foul trouble as quickly as he does, then he just doesn't play as aggressive as you know. Is just a, uh, a typical thing that happens with, with guys, and especially big men down there, is there's such a different force when they're, when they're not staring up and saying, oh my gosh, am I going to have to sit now if I get another foul? So uh, that, along with maybe it's playing a little bit in his head that Alex Len's coming along. And here's this uh, you know, number five pick in the draft last year who didn't see much time due to injuries and uh, you know, sat out and then got hurt in the summer league again with a pinky and still is nursing that, but he's playing, and he's playing pretty well. And he's showing what a difference having a seven-foot-one guy in the middle with a seven-foot-four wingspan who has a little bit of athleticism can do. Uh, he really can alter uh, shots down there, and that's something the Suns haven't had that much of. Miles is a great athlete, but the size is just all the difference in the world down there. Oh, no question. I was really intrigued by him, and of course, last year those ankle injuries kept him from really showing us anything. And it's really it's kind of his rookie season. Exactly. Uh, you know, and you even look at well, he should have gotten all these reps in summer, but he got hurt in the first game, just as he did last year in his first summer league as a as a rookie. So, uh, you know, being available is the key right now for the big fella from the Ukraine. The Suns hope that he can stay available and he'll make a difference for them defensively. And you know, they hope that Miles continues to make some progress as well. He's another young player, so you got a couple, you know, young bigs that you're trying to coach up down there, and they've got some good coaches to do so with Mark West and Kenny Gaddison spending a lot of time with those. So where do the Suns see themselves in the West? I think they see themselves as a playoff team, Tim. I mean, I think they have to, uh, just based on the fact that they brought the core back from last season uh, and they only missed by a game. But the problem is they are also realists and they look around and say, man, the West is tough, and the, the teams that didn't make the playoffs got better. The teams that did make the playoffs in a lot of respects got better, maybe with the exception of those teams that are plagued with injuries right now, namely Oklahoma City, and who knows you know, how much of a toll it's going to take on the Thunder and how quickly, uh, if at all, they'll be able to bounce back into form. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's just such a brutal, brutal conference to, to be able to look at and be confident that you're going to finish in that top eight, knowing what the Suns know uh, is in front of them. But I do think that they uh, are still confident looking around that, that they can put together another great season and that it's just going to take a little bit of time, uh, you know, for them to settle into the roles as it does for, for many teams around the league. Yeah, it's funny, even the, your game coming up to tomorrow night, you know, playing the, the Sacramento Kings, they're off to a 4-1 and one start. You know New Orleans is going to be better because now you have to contend with Ashik and Davis on night out, night in basis. So it's going to be hard to score on them at the rim. Uh, and, and certainly Oklahoma City is going to rebound when they get healthy. They're off to a very tough start. So once again, I think there's going to be one, maybe two really good teams in the West that are going to be on the outside looking in come end of April. There's no question. And I tend to agree with some of the, the folks out there that are saying, you know, it's not going to be another 48-win team that's on the outside looking in. Uh, I just think because the bottom has gotten better significantly, the teams you mentioned, plus the Sacramento, plus, uh, you know, maybe Denver can rally and get better, although they, they haven't looked all that great early, uh, you know, now you're going to see them beat each other a little bit more. So maybe it's a 45-46 win team uh, that's that's out instead of 48-49. And uh, either way, it's it's a high-quality basketball team or maybe two or three even that aren't going to make it in the West that, that would have definitely cruised in in the East likely. And, and uh, you know, yet I, I look at it, and this is going to be such an exciting season. I mean, the product that you guys have there as Warriors fans – 
is a phenomenal product. And if that group can stay healthy, it is going to be so much fun to watch. And, and I'm just ecstatic to be able to, you know, get a, a courtside seat when they come to town to see them play the Suns. And, and I think the Suns are going to be that similar type of product where people are going to want to tune in to watch this team play. When they're playing at a high level, it is electric, Tim. And, uh, and maybe Sunday night we'll all get to see that from both sides. Well, the Warriors are playing pretty well. It should be a great game on Sunday. I'll leave you with this sad stat is that as of right now, again, tremendously small sample size. Please don't tweet me about this. But uh, the uh, in the West, right now, there are six teams that have two wins or less. And in the East, there are 11. In the West, there are three teams that have one win or less. And in the East, there are seven. So Western Conference fans, buckle up. It's going to be another tough year. Yeah, I guess, uh, you know, what we can all band together about, these two fan bases, the Warriors and the Suns, is, hey, at least we got the Lakers. <laughs> you know, everybody's reveling in that, you know, we, uh, league-wide. It's just, uh, I don't know why that is. But it's just is that wrong? That but I, I don't know. <laughs> Always a pleasure, man. We'll look forward to seeing you on Sunday. All right, Tim. Take care. That's John Bloom, the pre- and post-game host of the Phoenix Suns. Uh, good to talk to him always about the Suns and the NBA. We'll look ahead to the schedule and the weekend back-to-back as we continue on the Warriors Weekly Roundtable on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Left-hand dribble, Thompson to the rack. He hammered it over Lopez. It was savage. We now continue with more of Warriors Roundtable presented by Michael Stead Porsche. Time to look ahead at the schedule. It's brought to you by Cash Creek Casino Resort. Warriors start out the weekend back-to-back in Houston, Texas. They take on the Rockets. 4.30 the airtime on Saturday on KMBR 680. James Harden is off to an MVP type of start for the Rockets. Shot clock at three. The dancing Harden. The defense by Bellinelli. Oh, what a shot. Harden okay. is feeling it here in this third quarter. He's got the stroke, and he's put in 20. Warriors and Rockets Saturday, 4.30 on KMBR, 6.80. Then on to the Phoenix Suns on Sunday in the Valley of the Sun. Again, a 4.30 start time on KMBR, 6.80, as the Warriors try to contain Goran Dragic. Stevenson plays straight on by Green. Stevenson bouncing right hand, moves to his right. Hibbert sets the screen. Stevenson drives, dumps it right corner. George being played aggressively, missing a three with Tucker right on top of him. Tucker rebounds and Dragic on the run out, dunks with two hands. Oh, boy. That'll result in an Indiana timeout. Warriors and Suns, Sunday 4.30, KMBR 680. Then back at Oracle on Tuesday night. It's the Hoops for Troops night presented by GovX. The Spurs coming to town, the defending champions, and the man that makes them go is the Frenchman, Tony Parker. Sideline right, Parker. Screen by Duncan. Parker works a couple of dribbles against Brewer. Backs up to the right sideline. Now penetrates all the way in. Reverse layup is good. A little French kiss off the glass for Tony Parker. Rick Allen wants a timeout. Tony Parker's got 27. Warriors and the Spurs, 7 o'clock the airtime on uh, Tuesday night. Again on KMBR 680. Then back here again for the roundtable next week on a Wednesday night. 8 o'clock our airtime on KMBR 680. You can buy some tickets for the Spurs game online at warriors.com or call one 888 gsw 
hoop. I'm Tim Roy, thanking all of our guests for the weekly roundtable. We want to thank Warriors guard Leandro Barbosa, plus Craig Ackerman, the voice of the Houston Rockets, and John Bloom, the pre- and post-game host of the Phoenix Suns. For my producer, R.C. Davis, Dave Feldhaus at the controls, time now to talk some more Warriors basketball, if you will. You can call 808-KMBR and talk to Ray Woodson. He's willing and able and eager to take your calls here on KMBR 680. I'm Tim Roy saying good night for the Warriors Weekly Roundtable. Ray Woodson up next here on KMBR 680, the sports leader. Golden State Warriors basketball. Stolen by Iguodala. Right to Clay Thompson. Back to Iguodala. One dribble goes to the rim. And he scores with the right hand. Listen to a recording of any Warriors roundtable at warriors.com slash audio. Or on your phone via the Warriors app. Available for iPhone and Android devices.